Welcome, book nerds, to the Marriage Stories Podcast. I'm Bradley. And I'm Becca. And if you're here looking for marriage advice... All we got is couples that read together, breed together. Welcome back to the Marriage Stories Podcast. I can't believe that we are already through the second quarter of 2023. It has been a wild ride. That's for sure. Both literally and literarily. (laughs) How long have you been planning that one? That was just a spur of the moment joke. No, I'm proud. I'm really bringing in that podcasting energy tonight. Okay. I need a few more sips of coffee before I can. So, second quarter. First quarter, we did a Instagram live to discuss our top six books, and we did that episode also on here. Uh, so we're going to go again. Top six books of the second quarter. But before we start that, what are you reading? Currently right now, I am reading Fourth Wing, jumping on that bandwagon of all the hype for the fourth wing and let me tell you so far it lives up to the hype i am almost finished with it but i just keep hunting for whatever people say is really spicy you know haven't gotten there it's toward the end okay but i am loving it and just to irritate you i'm going to say if you're a Hunger Games fan, you will probably really like this book. It's like Hunger Games, but add dragons and make it adult. Okay, so if you have to add more than two stipulations, I feel like it's not like that thing. No, that's not okay. true. Okay, fellow non-Hunger Games fans out Crickets. Crickets. Uh-huh. You'll be able to appreciate this. Bradley thinks Hold on. That- no, no, no. Um, I'm going to woman-splain um, for you. No woman-splain really? my <laughs> drama. Okay. Anyway, have you ever noticed how when Hunger Games fans like a book, they say, regardless of what the book's about, regardless of what happens in the book, if someone dies in a violent way, it's just like Hunger Games. It's Every not book. even true at all. It is so true. I have yet to ever see anybody compare a book to Hunger Games that, like, just totally wasn't like Hunger Games. To Kill a Mockingbird. Have it's you actually, just like Hunger Games. Have you actually ever seen somebody compared to, Mil- to Kill a Mockingbird? I feel like I've heard it. No, you have not. Want to know why? Because that's nonsense. It is nonsense. That's what I'm saying. Okay, no. But guys, seriously, it has notes of many of the books that us young millennials grew up really following in love with. It has notes of Harry Potter with like kind of the magical school and different people being able to have different powers that they come into and learn how to use and control. It has a bit of like Aragon with the dragons and bonding with dragons and communicating with dragons and don't even. It has, like the Hunger Games, many things, especially face-offs and battles where you have cohorts of people who are selected to do this and they're facing off and there's all the drama of it's kind of like who will be there, who will be left in the end, who will make it to be a dragon rider. And it is awesome. 
I am reading uh, the Judas Blossom. Just like Hunger Games. Just like Hunger Games. It's a historical fantasy about the Mongol occupation of Persia, just like the Hunger Games. and <laughs> It has a really pretty cover. It has a gorgeous cover. I love it. It's by Stephen Arian. I was drawn to this book by the cover and the description, and I'm about halfway through at this point, and I'm not disappointed. I'm very much enjoying it. It just came out last week as well, so... Yes, it did. I got it as an arc. I haven't finished it yet. And I feel like you and your brother talking up about the Mongols in general that do we yes you do your brother talks about the mongols all the time i haven't had when maybe three about, conversations no, about the mongols no your mom also says that she's had to watch the same documentary with colin about the mongols like 40 times so you should like this book because okay you like well i do like this book yeah. because i like the mongols <laughs> We're in a mood tonight, can you tell? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they can. <laughs> so, top six of the quarter. I believe you went first last time, correct? I think so, so you can go first. This All time. right. Number six on my best of the quarter is the Star Wars extended canon. No longer really happened in the Star Wars universe book. It's weird. It is the first Star Wars book I've read in a long while, and I very much enjoyed it, Heir to the Empire by Timothy Zahn. So this is the first book of the Thrawn trilogy for any Star Wars fans out there. I'm sure that have read it know what I'm talking about. It is very good, to the point where it made me mad about the sequel movies, that they were not this. So this is set five years after the events of Return of the Jedi. So you still have Han, Luke, Leia, Lando, Chewie are all working for the uh, New Republic. Anything with Chewie. Well, yeah. And, and they're hunting down the remnants of the Empire. And it turns out there was a secret Grand Admiral mm. who the Emperor specifically kept secret called Admiral Thrawn. And he is a master tactician villain and isn't he supposed to be in a series like on disney plus yes he of? was mentioned in season two of mandalorian okay. we have not seen season three yet so maybe he's in it he could be but i know for sure he's going to be in the ahsoka series which did just come out with the trailer that i still haven't watched i've had such a i've been so burnt out on star wars lately that I didn't think I'd be very excited about Star Wars for a while. And then I read this book, and I'm pumped for the other two. I've read the second one since then and really enjoyed it. And the third one's on my whole list at Libby. I think switching up mediums helps, too. Like, a I book, think so. reading a book about the Star Wars universe is likely different than watching another TV show about it. Right. I don't. I think that might be why I don't have Marvel fatigue as bad. Is because I'm always able to get novels and yeah. Actually, that's an interesting point. Yeah. Now there aren't too many series or uh, mediums you could do that with, but uh, fortunately, that's one of them. Yep. A lot of nerd things you can. Yes. <laughs> because nerds rule the world. Yes. Fact. Okay. So my sixth pick is one that would make nerds everywhere blush. It is called Sex Talks, 
and it <laughs> is absolutely awesome. I'm blushing here right now. Y'all can't see me, but like I'm redder than a tomato. Well, anyways, Vanessa Marin and uh, her husband Xander wrote this book. And they have a whole, like, Instagram following, which is amazing, where they're basically just real about sex on it and about how sex is sometimes funny, sometimes serious, sometimes hot, sometimes not. Like, just, uh, just real sex, not, like, glorified uh, something you'll never live up to sex in the media. So and are they sex therapists? They or? are. Okay. So um, they're sex therapists. And, well, she's a sex therapist. He's not. But, He's just there for fun. Well, no, <laughs> he talks about that. He's like, when the guy, when I told the guys that I was dating a sex therapist, everybody thought I had made it. But the real truth is that that just meant that we had to talk about sex a lot more than we do it like <laughs> but anyways the book is for any partnership that is wanting to explore their sex lives kind of wonder and talk about boundaries about experimentation about why we don't talk about sex and how not talking about it create inhibited and lesser sex lives it's super funny it, it has like a bunch of quizzes in it. You learn a lot about yourself and your partner through it. I highly recommend it. That's Sex Talks by Vanessa and Xander Mary. All right. I remember you enjoying this audiobook a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm. The audiobook, too. So I kind of wish I had the physical, like, for the sake of underlining and going back to stuff. But listening to the audiobook was also fun because she and her husband read it themselves so you get their personalities through that all right so this next one we can just assume that from now to eternity everything i say is pronounced incorrectly and will be good <laughs> so okay. well because i'm bad at pronouncing names and this has just ones i'm not familiar with so number five on my list is to Shape a Dragon's Breath by Monoquil Black Goose. This is book one of the Nemposhawayaset. And it's an arc I got and was very pleased with this book. So basically the elevator pitch for it is fourth wing plus babble. So like the linguistics part or no, the No, the, the racism part. The racism part. Uh, like the dark academia The race oppression. Yes. Yeah. So the premise is dragons exist in our world and people have been able to tame them to their own end. So another interesting element of it is I think that because of this, the Scandinavian countries in Europe managed to be the dominant mm. European power as opposed to the English. That's interesting. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. So they settled the North America and South America. Why? So, because they were just able to tame the dragons better? Like that, Vikings or whatever? That's my impression. Okay. And everything's like Scandinavian. The names are all Scandinavian based for those. And so then you also have the Native Americans. But like in the US and Canada have been forced to their own places aside from things. And 
They are not allowed dragons, even though they have a rich history of having dragons and training them. But it's been dozens of years, or decades, since they had dragons. And one comes and bonds with a young girl, and it creates a big hullabaloo, but she has to go to dragon school. So, wait. This is taking place in Scandinavia and in America? No, it's just taking place in America. I just did the backstory on the Scandinavia. Okay. Because okay. I just thought that was an interesting world-building element. Interesting. So America is basically like, was a Scandinavian colony. Right. Before... Interesting. Right. And so it's a dragon school. She's learning how to, quote, shape a dragon's breath. You can do magic with the dragon breath. Hmm. And it can be very volatile and dangerous. And it's a very interesting read. I'm very excited to read more of it because it did remind me a lot of looking back on it because I read Fourth Wing after. Um, looking back on it, it reminds me a lot of Fourth Wing. It's very weird they both came out at the same time. Yeah, and I feel like unfortunately for this book because I... Now, maybe not, unfortunately, because more people could help it out by saying, oh, if you liked this, yeah, then I, read this. Absolutely. Um, but I've literally never heard of this one. Yeah, um, it's the author's debut book. It was very well done, and I enjoyed it. I'm going to be looking forward to book two. But yeah, anybody who liked Fourth Wing and or Babel, read it. It was, <laughs> it was quite the read. order some from for the store. Yeah. My book number five was... Lore Olympus, Volume 4. I love Lore Olympus. I just can't convey my love for Lore Olympus enough. The artwork is gorgeous. So if you don't know anything about Lore Olympus, it is a Hades and Persephone retelling in graphic novel format. It is a webtoon, like a webcomic, and issues come out every week. But these are graphic novelizations of those web comics, and this one was volume four. Way they're way ahead of that on um, webtoon, but I and I was keeping up with them there. But I just really like reading them in physical format. I got this one; it just came out in June, and I devoured it in one night, as usual. I have devoured all of the Laura Olympus volumes in one sitting. I just adore the artwork. I adore the dialogue and the character development of all the Greek gods. It is a talent when you can make a story unique that has been told over and over and over again. You know, there's something, and we've said we're going to make an episode on retellings, because what is that there that makes us like retellings so much? What are you about to say? Nothing. Okay, guys, he's just looking at me weird, and it's making me self-conscious. Anyways. I won't look so... at you weird anymore. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm turning away from you. So, and the microphone, so no one's going to be able to hear me. Anyways, I also this quarter read Me on Gods by Katie Roberts. Was that this quarter? Yeah, that it was at the very, very beginning. Wow. Like, I really was finishing at the end of March, so I really read most of it in March, but, like, technically I finished mm -hmm. it on April 1st. So I read two, technically, Hades Persephone retellings in this past quarter. But anyways, Laura Olympus is beautiful. 
read it. It is very good. I've only read the first three volumes thus far and have number four sitting on my shelf there and I'm very excited to get to it because like you said it is gorgeous and it is a really fun easy read. It's so easy and it's but it's not it should be the new tagline Laura Olympus it's so easy. No okay you know what I mean it's yes. relaxing it's refreshing. Yes it's... it is a nice you don't have to it's think cute. about it too hard but yeah. you can if you want to too right. it's Yes, it's not cheesy, right? But it's not dense. Correct. Number book four. number four. All right. So number four is my only graphic novel on this list, and I'm doing it as a series because I read all the series, just binged one complete story. He was super into them. Oh, it was so good. So this is called Once in Future by Kieran Gillen, and the art is done by Dan Mora. So, this series is epic and just awesome. Okay. So, the premise is, so in Arthurian legend, at the end it says, like, an Arthur will return when England needs him most. But what if that weren't a good thing? Mm-hmm. And so you get, like, issue one... You get like a zombified skeleton King Arthur coming back to reclaim his throne. And it just gets bonkers from there. It's awesome. Beowulf shows up. Can you make that a comic book club pick? That sounds good. It's so good. I might. Robin Hood shows up at some point. It is fantastic. And Dan Moore's art is incredible. It is perfectly suited for this story. It's whimsical ish yet able to be dark which is the tone of the entire story i loved it from beginning to end and binged all five volumes it's uh 30 issues well worth it it went from uh it ended this year started in 2020 but yeah definitely recommend it if you're into graphic novels for sure if you're into british literature it they takes should, a lot of that. They should have 12th grade English lit students read it because those are like all the stories that you read oh, yeah. in 12th grade English lit. <laughs> It'd be pretty great. I mean, they should just let us redesign the whole lit curriculum. So. That's fair. Yeah. Graphic novels need to be included. They do. Thank you. We'll get Lore Olympus and, <laughs> um, and Once in Future going in there. Read Lore Olympus in 10th grade lit when you're doing the Odyssey and uh, all that. No. <laughs> At least that's what we had to do. Yeah. Maybe other schools have it differently. But... That's true. Yeah. No, we need to redo in general. All Just all of them? them? Oh, yeah. Totally. Okay. We have okay. the authority to do that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So my book number four is Yellow Face by R.F. Kuang. Okay. I am still kind of dissecting this book. <laughs> it is a satire, but you don't really know where Kuang stands on it all. Like, you do, but you don't. The main character is a woman who was friends, but not really friends, with this chosen one author who was a young and upcoming Asian author who wrote a lot of Asian diaspora literature and uh, it made it very clear that this your main character thinks that 
I mean, yes, she was a good writer, but the only reason she became so successful versus herself was because she was diverse and that's what publishers wanted was a young, diverse, you know, name and person to tout around. And it's so it's satire upon the modern publishing industry and all the things that are bonkers about it but anyways it's not a spoiler to say that when she's over having dinner with this friend this friend chokes on a pancake and dies as you do yes she finds the manuscript for the book she was working on and she steals it and adapts it and publishes it and it's all of that from there the ethics of that and how it becomes like a political thing and big drama within the publishing industry and it all comes full circle again at the end it's really interesting i did a lot of like looking through articles afterwards of just reading what kwong had to say about it and i mean it's kind of funny because like you're sitting here reading and you're like this is totally talking about her like about the character that died like random chosen one literary super smart brainy you know like diverse voice you know that everybody loves Ara Kwong you know and so it's kind of weird she kind of wrote it like as if somebody stole her work and tried to publish it but also at the same time she's saying things on both sides she's saying things that are like incorrect about cultural appropriation and things like that but she's also at the same time saying you can't tell writers that they can only write about their own experience or else all we'd have are memoirs and she said almost that exact quote in an article that i was went after i was doing research kind of about her writing it and that's a perfect like summation of the book is it makes you think about every single side of this story you can see it honestly from all sides and it's pretty interesting i'm excited to read that one it is on my tbr i've been planning on reading it the last two months and just haven't gotten around to it yet so also in those articles as i was doing research kwong says that she her goal is to write a book in each genre before she ever repeats a genre again. Now, she her first three books are fantasy. Really? First four? Well, but she doesn't count that babble, really, as the same sort of fantasy. She says she counts babble as a historical fiction. Okay. Because she calls it, like, an arcane history. Like, Okay. And, and and I can see that. I'll take it. And then uh, this one is like a, she calls it a thriller. I, I would not really, a thriller reader, consider it stereotypically thriller, but it certainly has elements of thriller. I would call it suspense. Well, I can't wait for her straight up horror book. I think that that's, I mean, that's an actual thing that she's working on. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. if she's planning on hitting all the genres. I'm ready for that one. I've read her first four books and absolutely loved them, so she's an autobi author for me at this she point. She is, like, my author crush. Like, she's <laughs> adorable and also brilliant and also her prose is unparalleled. I just love Arkwong. 
yeah, I can't wait to read that one. I'm, I mean, I can because I have, but <laughs> I'm excited to read that one. I understand what you mean. Oh, TBRs are a pain. I wish I could read faster. Mm. But... So moving on to number three, I'm picking an arc that I read. Explain what arc means. Not so, everybody knows what arc means. Everybody knows what arc means. No, because I kept saying arc to my sister the other day, and she didn't know what I meant. Only the, like, book talker, bookstagram. Okay. An arc is an advanced reader copy. It's a book they send out before the book is published to build up hype and put reviews out for it. Mm -hmm. So this book is to be put out in September, I believe, just in time for Halloween, which is perfect. It is Rachel Harrison's newest book, Black Sheep. Rachel Harrison is awesome. You're feeling really sing-songy tonight. <laughs> Wait, so last time we both had different Rachel Harrison books on our ours favorites of the quarter mm -hmm. you had such sharp teeth and i had Cack cackle and this time we both have different rachel harrison's mm -hmm. i think we're covering three. yeah we're covering all four of them in the course of these two episodes um yeah yep <laughs> but rachel harrison is one of my new auto buy authors in horror black sheep is a cult horror story so this girl has her own life. It's not fantastic, not what she wants. And we slowly learn about her backstory is she escaped from a cult not too many years ago. And she's drawn back by the wedding of her best friend and boyfriend, old ex-boyfriend. And so she goes back and cult stuff happens. And I don't want to spoil it because it would be very easy to spoil some of this book, but it is so good. It's got moments of genuine humor, moments of terrifying horror, and it was just an enjoyable read. It's not your stereotypical beach read, but I, I read it on a week at the beach. It was fantastic. I can't wait to read it. And again, I can because obviously I have, but I'm excited to read I... At this point, I'm kind of saving such sharp teeth for Spooktober. Okay. Anyways, my book number three is also Rachel Harrison, and it is The Return. Now, wait. Would you say Black Sheep was scarier than The Return? No. Is the... Okay. The Return's the scariest. The Return is freaky. Oh. It is really freaky. It is awesome. It's amazing. <laughs> um, What? Just that sentence it's coming really from you. It's really freaky. awesome. Yes. Okay. And also, for the record, I got it right about what the main character you did. was. Um, It never specifically comes out and says, but Rachel Harrison herself commented on my post. That always a great one. feeling. It was a great feeling. <laughs> Rachel Harrison, we love you. Um, uh, So... Yeah, if you're an author out there, if you really want to make loyal fans, literally all you have to do is comment on a post yes. of them reading on a book, and you've got, like, an auto-buy or Pretty much. It makes a bit, it's a little two-second thing you can do, and it makes a big difference. Because even, like, some indie authors and stuff that I read, I, I will read things they put out every time just because of, like, how engaged they are on social media and stuff. Anyways. It really adds that per intimate 
right you feel like you, you kind author. of know the author it's not like an unattainable human being it's like yeah. some you know anyways the return but the thing about the return is i can't really say what it is without spoiling it you are guessing the entire time about what on earth is going on with this friend so it's a girl's trip and the the four of them are staying at this weird hotel um with like weird themed rooms and for the three for three of the four they have been friends continuously for a long time and the other one they thought died two years ago but she didn't die and she's back and everybody thought she well she went missing and they had a funeral for her as like a closure thing as friends and she's not dead but they quickly learned that it is not the same old friend that they always had that has returned dun, dun, dun. it's awesome it was very good like now that i'm talking about it i'm like oh i should have made it higher but you'll see my other two books like it's just it was a good reading quarter what? I really liked the return. Yes, you're just visceral reactions here. They're fun to watch. I wish that we had a camera on you. <laughs> Alright, we're in the home stretch now. So, number two for me is a book we've slightly talked about here. It's The Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros. Slightly. We talked about it for a good half this podcast. But... <laughs> <laughs> the book that's exactly like The Hunger Games, identically... Stop. <laughs> it's a good book in its own. It, it is. is. No, it it would not be number two on my list if it wasn't. I just like making fun of that. But no, this is a legitimately good book. I I saw it all over Instagram. It's like, well, it's fantasy with dragons. That's, I mean, I'll give you most thing with dragons a try. Of your ones on this are dragon books. Yes. And I thought I'd give it a try, but I, I genuinely enjoyed this book from beginning to end. It was fantastic. Um, fantastic read, fantastic fantasy, and the action was written wonderfully. I know I know that Yaros is primarily a romance author, which does show in parts, but the the violence and the, the action is written incredibly well. And dragons. They're dragons. Dragons. But it was very good. I, some people on Instagram <laughs> I really need put to this get to this two, part because I just... Two spot. Now, I don't read a lot of romance, but... I'm trying to find it. Like, usually... Okay. Just continue on. Okay. Well, they put it two spices, which makes me very concerned to see what a five-spice book is. But, I mean, because I thought it was pretty spicy. But I don't read a lot of spice. I mean, like, Game of Thrones has a significant amount of quote-unquote spice, but it can be rather cringy, so it doesn't have this... I don't know. I'm rambling here. I'm probably going to edit out most of this, so... I think I found it. I'll close the book. <laughs> we are podcasting. Taking a, taking a pause while I read this scene. No, uh, I would be interested to see, like, what other books, the bookstagrammers you saw that put it into Spice have typically read. Because in my mind, I, I don't think I've ever read a five Spice book. 
like I think that haunting Adeline that everybody's reading night right now is probably that. Um, okay. But I I haven't read that, but I have read ones I would consider four. So Neon Gods being one of those. I mean, there's literally like exhibitionism oh, okay. and like bondage and things like that in in that. I mean, which fits. It's Hades. Does he just have that stereotype? I mean, it's Hades. Right? Wouldn't it be weird if, like, Hades was vanilla in the bedroom? Actually, I love that idea. Well, that's kind of what... <laughs> uh, actually, Laura Olympus is not not saying that. You know? It's kind of... Laura Olympus is kind of, like, humanizing Hades. Yeah. As where Neon Gods is, like, Hades is sex god okay. That's That's what my nickname in high school was. <laughs> Hades, yeah. So, fourth week? It was good. <laughs> I very much enjoyed it. I'm glad you're reading it now because I know you'll probably enjoy it even more than I did. So, yeah, I hope to finish tonight. If not tonight, tomorrow. All right, so what's your number two? My number two is Soul Boom by Rain Wilson. Everybody go read this book and the world will be a better place. That's my elevator pitch. Okay. Like, oh my word, Rain Wilson. Like, who would think that Dwight from The Office is this, like... Philosopher? No, he really is. Mm -hmm. He really is a philosopher. And, I mean, so he shares a lot about his particular faith, which is the Baha'i faith, which is a really interesting faith in general. But most of the Soul Boom book is just, like, religion needs to stop being a curse word. And it, religion should be restored back to what the original intent is. And that is something to nourish the soul. Because of what this world is missing in all of its many pandemics and ep epidemics. It kind of starts the book with, with the pandemics of depression, of drug abuse, of all of these, you know, terrible things that are affecting the world and how a spiritual revolution is really the answer we need. And it's not of any one particular religion. It is just a acknowledgement of the soul in each and every one of us. And it is beautiful. It is interesting. It is a very quick listen. I listened to him actually read it. So the audiobook is also Rain Wilson reading it, which makes it, there's lots of quotable quotes and he has a whole soul boom movement that you can follow on various things. And it's just genuinely trying to bring light to the good um, in this world and that all of us have a soul worth honoring. I've heard you talk about this one a lot, and I'm excited to listen to it as well. I'd much rather listen to this one because it's Rain reading Wilson, it. Yeah. So that I read his autobiography that way, and it was great. So mm -hmm. I'm excited for this as well. Also, I really just want to meet him in real life. Like he seems like an amazing human. So does Dwight. Well, yes, but. <laughs> All right, top books of the quarter. My top book of the quarter is one that uh, was not on my radar until it came out. 
and I heard the description. I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. I'll give it a read. And it's my favorite book of the quarter and in the running for top book of the year. It is Chain Gang All-Stars by Nana Kwame Ajibrenya. So this book is basically set in the not-so-distant future, and the premise is what if prison inmates were forced to fight in gladiatorial-style games for the amusement of public, and how that affects people, how that affects the inmates, how that affects the world, and it's peppered in there with actual statistics from U.S. prison system, and it was I, it was just a very fascinating, interesting read. It's one that make definitely makes me see things in a different light, where before I not necessarily cared that much. I mean, that just wasn't a concern of mine. Now it's like, oh, this is actually an issue and something we need to be thinking about. And it was a very well done book. And I'm happy to have it as my number one for the quarter. I have read this as well, but actually I technically finished it uh, this quarter, so it didn't get to make this list. But I will say it is basically capitalism run amok is like, a yeah, lot, that's a, a good... you know, it's talking about, okay, what if our world literally went so nuts that which is not too hard to imagine, that it started making money off of inmates and having them fight to the death for entertainment value. It also gives a harrowing insight into what we find entertaining um, yeah. and uh, as, as humans and uh, the media. And it's told from the POV of the inmates multiple POVs mm -hmm. and it's most just... of them are inmates that are the are POV characters there are some that aren't but... but it it's very interesting yes there is one quote in there that kind of stuck out with me too that I like that put in it's like what is the point of the U.S. prison system is it to punish or is it to rehabilitate and that that's kind of the focus of a lot of this is, well, shouldn't, theoretically, it's to rehabilitate, but everything we're doing is not pointing in that direction. In fact, it's making it worse. Yeah, it really, I've read other things that are to this effect, like on the systemic nature of prisons and the prison system. It's fiction, where other things I've read were for school and nonfiction, um, but it really helps bring to light how prison is almost reinforcing those behaviors that got you there in the first place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a, it's very interesting. It's going to sit with me a long time, and I, I still I keep thinking back toward it. Mm -hmm. It's heartbreaking. It is absolutely heartbreaking. But yeah, it was a fantastic read. Great job for the author. I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye out for his work. And my number one is also Manny's number one because it actually just recently was announced the Pulitzer Prize winner for, well, I don't know if it's for 2023 or if it's posthumous or 
you get that ad mm -hmm. you're saying posthumously when it's not post death, but you you know what I mean? Yeah, like after the fact. retrospective for twenty twenty two. Yeah. It is Demon Copperhead by Barbara Kingsolver. I've read other Barbara Kingsolver and loved them. Um, but this one in particular I have been eager to read because as somebody who has grown up in Appalachia and lives in Appalachia, I was very interested in reading her Appalachian portrait here. She is Appalachian herself, and so that adds credibility to it because lots of other works of nonfiction and fiction have been written about the Appalachian region by outsiders. And again, back to kind of the yellow face conversation, not that that is wrong, but there is something to be said for somebody writing about something they have actually experienced. This book, my goodness, I mean, it feels weird to recommend something that is just so gut-wrenching. My sister literally, like, stopped reading it every so many pages and was like bawling and her husband begged her to stop reading it altogether because it was making her depressed. So <laughs> that's the preface. Um, it sounds like a really great book, right? No, it is incredible. It is hard for somebody who grew up with situations like this happening all around them, but I was fortunate enough, blessed enough to not be on the bottom end of the poverty line, but I did have many friends who were. So this book opened my eyes to things that were probably going on to them and in their homes that I just didn't even fathom growing up. It paints a picture of the horrors of a poorly done foster care system when there's just so many children that are in it because of parents that are torn apart by the drug epidemic, the opioid crisis in particular. I mean, there were several quotes that just really hit hard home, but one in particular where I could just picture this person. It said, opiates were the new saving grace for the woman who worked at Dollar General night shift while stocking shelves on her knees and then has to go home and tend to her grandkids that she's raising during the day. This portrait of a people ravaged by the drug crisis and how the drug crisis came to this region because of broader nations hope to oppress these people that they deem as backward. You've never been to Appalachia, never lived in Appalachia, you probably think of us as uneducated, lesser than, behind the times, and this book goes to bring to light that those stereotypes against Appalachia are incorrect. And then my favorite quote of the book was, it's like the nerd that's in the bathroom stall the entire time it hears the popular kid talking to another popular kid at the sink about how lame the nerd is. And then in the movie, the nerd walks out of the stall and look at the kid that thought was his friend the whole time, like, hey, I just heard that whole conversation that it is this for Appalachians. Appalachians are in the bathroom stall and we hear you quote unquote educated highbrow scholars 
talking about us, talking down on us at the sink, when in policies you claim to be our friends, but really you're working against us and you don't have her best interests in mind. And that's why all of this systemic oppression throughout our region is not being resolved. And it it's really good. All right. On that uplifting note... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Systemic oppression. Woo! That's literally the our top two books. We're like oh my word, both it on was. systemic oppression. Wow. Well, thank you for joining us today, and hopefully you'll come back and listen to more episodes. We're excited to be reading in the third quarter of 2023. I've already read some great books, and I mm -hmm. think you have too. Mm -hmm. So we'll be looking forward to continuing comment your best read of 2023 and subscribe to us on youtube yes you can find us on spotify google Podcasts, youtube and most other podcasting services also we both have bookstagrams yes at the book analyst and at books boards and Brews. and at the marriage stories pod and you can reach us on our gmail at the marriage stories pod at gmail.com